Have you ever wondered what Jesus would say if he could speak to you today? Join us on our podcast, A Weekly Message from Jesus, as I use my gift of spirit communication to bring you a channeled message from Jesus. The link is a weekly message from Jesus.podbeam.com. His messages will bring you much happiness and guidance in your life. He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Adelaide Heward-Mills. Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide Heward-Mills. Amen. Please welcome their hosts for the day, Lady Reverend Joy. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet this morning. We just want to give honor to whom honor is due. Thank you very much, Bishop. I want us to welcome you. Wait, 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 wait. Wait a minute, please. Listen to me. There are some people, some of us who are older, we made some mistakes many years ago. Are you here? Today there are some mistakes you will never make in your life because of what you will hear today. And so I want you to give a worthy welcome to the mother of every lighthouse chapel, our lady, Reverend Adelaide Hayward Mills. Give it up. Hallelujah. That clap was for me. But I want you to give a clap to Jehovah. God Almighty. The one who really matters. Amen. Give it up for Jesus. Give it up for Jesus. At the back. At the back. In the middle. In the front. Lift up the name of Jesus. Lift up the name of Jesus. Don't stop clapping. Don't stop clapping. Celebrate him. Celebrate him. Celebrate him. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lord. Shall we share a word of prayer? Father, how awesome it is to come into your presence. How humbling it is that you should commune with vessels of clay. How humbling it is that you left all your glory to come and reside in man and to make our, our hearts your home. Blessed be your name. Thank you for the things that you have saved us from just by saying yes to Jesus. 
Thank you for being at work in us, Lord, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. Thank you for today, 8th of June, 2013, that you have determined that the first First Fire Conference in Kumasi should be today. Lord, I humble myself under your mighty hand. If you can use anything, use this vessel. Anoint me, O oh God. Touch my lips and use me to your glory and for your purpose. I yield myself completely to you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Use these lips of clay and bring life to every hearer. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. When I say first, then you shout fire. First. 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 Amen. I want to salute your Bishop Patrick. For being the angel of the church in Kumasi. Amen. Because when Jesus was writing through the Apostle John to the churches in Revelations, he said, write to the angel of the church and tell the angel that this and this and this is about his church. You know, so God sent a messenger and an angel for every church. And in Kumasi and Brongahafu, you have Bishop Patrick Bruce. And he's a good man. Amen. And his dear wife, Lady Reverend Joy. I have known them for many years. And I used to catch glimpses of them when they were trying to be lavedos. Do you understand beloveds? To have a beloved. And then after that, after the university, they went to Norway. And then they came back to Lighthouse and said that God had told them to move to the north as soon as they arrived. So although they were coming from Norway, they obeyed God and went to the north. And because of them, Lighthouse Chapel in the north is standing today. And I salute them. Amen. Not only that, they are also my personal friends. And I've seen their children also grow up. The last time I saw the last one, I was giving him another name because I didn't think that he could grow so quickly, Kofi. But God has been faithful through it all. Amen. And I pray that one day I can also give the same testimony about you. That you were a little child that I knew in the church. And you have gone on to still walk with Jesus all these years. You've ended up in a good place. And you are serving the Lord and you are even in ministry. I want to challenge you to come to that place in your life and not go back. Amen. I want to also greet all the pastors, Reverend Amu, his wife, Pastor Dell. 
Pastor Mwaku Doku, his wife, all the pastors and lady pastors in this part of the world. God bless you. Remember that your labor in the Lord will never be in vain. The only person who can reward you is God. And God is faithful. Amen. You know, recently, one of the pastors we knew, who was an executive member in the fellowship that Bishop belonged to, was called home by the Lord. So, about two weeks ago, they came and held his funeral at the Kodesh. And Bishop wasn't here, so the next morning or that night, when he called me and I was talking to him, I said, oh, it was such a wonderful funeral. And it challenged all of us to be all that we can become for God. He said, really, what was it? I said, well, I left that funeral with only one conclusion that a great man of God who poured his whole life had gone on to be with the Lord. Because so many people came, so many groups, as, you know, they gave tribute, touch bearers, Bible society. This person said, when I was in Presec, he was an English teacher. And I met him at the gate. And when he got to know I'm a Christian, as a teacher, he would shout in tongues at the gate. And I also shouted tongues. Today, I'm a doctor in Doncaster, and he still visits me there, and we still shout in tongues. He was a little boy in Presec, Form 1, and he has walked with God all that time. So some of you, you are in the church, and you think that you are here because your mother and your father brought you. But it comes to a point when you have to make your own decision, whether to go all out with God. And I pray that you will not make a foolish decision. But you will make a wise decision. Amen. So I believe that God will speak to us this morning and this afternoon. So this morning I'll share the word. At a certain point, we will have a question and answer time. It will be anonymous. You just write it and you ask your question. So mommy won't know it's you. Daddy won't know it's you. And pastor won't know it's you. Amen. And then after that, we will break up into our various age groups or age brackets, and we will have a workshop, and uh, there will be something to talk about. Okay, so, and then we'll also have a lunch break, in case you were thinking, hey, when will we eat? There will be lunch break as well. So uh, turn to the next person seated by you and say, fasten your seatbelt. The Holy Ghost is coming your way. I also came with some lady pastors who stand by me, help me. Sometimes they pray for me. And sometimes I also send them to preach at other places. So I want them to stand to their feet so that you acknowledge them and give honor to whom honor is due. A gracious woman, lady pastor, Margaret Morrison from Achimota Branch. Lady Pastor Matilda from Tesano Branch. Are you in Tesano? I believe now. And the Lady Pastor Pamela from Spintex Highway. So give them a hand. Thank you. I also bring you greetings 
from my husband and your bishop and my bishop. Bishop Doug Ewart Mills. And first fire is Bishop's vision. Amen. He said, I am pastoring first love. The people that are just before first love must also rise up and be prepared by God before they get to the first love stage. Amen? And so it was Bishop's idea to have first fire. And that's why we are here today. First fire is from the lower ages up to Wasi, isn't it? And the idea is to groom you, to allow the Holy Spirit to work on you so that you will become a first firer. Amen? So that you have something in you that just is on fire and that you can move to first love where you fall in love with God and keep your first fire so that your first love is also maintained. Amen. And I pray that today God will speak to us. Amen. Now, first fire comes from the verse Jeremiah chapter 20. I'll read from verse 8 so that it makes a bit more sense. For since I speak, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. I hope you understand this version. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire, shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. Amen. Jeremiah was called by God from his mother's womb. Because when you read Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, I believe, the Bible says, when you were a clot of blood in your mother's womb, I knew you, and I called you. And I ordained you to go to the nations. So some of you are thinking, as for me, I don't think God has called me. As for me, I don't like anything pastoral, anything, whatever. But if God has called you, then he called you before you knew who you were. And he called you before your mother and your father gave you a name. And he called you before your outdooring. Amen. It is only that, as for God, he knows. But you as a young person, you may discover it later. And Jeremiah is saying that at a point, whenever he preached to people, they were violent, they will maltreat him. And he thought, you know, I'm just going to keep quiet. I'm not going to do this Christianity thing anymore. Are there any empty seats? If there are empty seats, but you put up your hand so other people can come and sit there. There are some empty seats in front here. They've put up their hands so you can fill in. 
Please put up your hand, don't be lazy so that they can see you. On the other side as well, and on this side. Anywhere else, please put up your hand. Hi, hi, so that we can see. And on my left hand side, there are some spaces. And in front of you at the back, there's somebody has a hand. And on this side as well, please put it high up. Don't be lazy. And how old are you? Next to these people, there are seats. Please come quickly. You are young. Walk briskly. Run. There's a fire on the mountain. This time the fire is in us. Yeah, sit by this gentleman here. And then towards the door there. Any more spaces, please? High up. In the middle here. In the middle here. Please let your hands go up so they can see. Right here. Please. And then four more spaces here on this side. Are you done? Four more places here on my left. On my left hand side. Quickly, quickly, quickly. We are waiting for you. Four more spaces here and towards the door. Here, look at the hand so that you know where to sit. There's another hand here in front here. Excuse me. Come, there's a hand here, two hands, three on this side. So I believe that this morning as we speak, the fire of God's word, the fire of the presence of the Holy Spirit will be in you and you cannot help but speak it. Amen. Are you God's friend is my topic today. Are you God's friend? Are you God's friend? One of the things that young people are very sensitive about is friendship. And when you are young or you are at a certain age, friendship means so much to you that sometimes things that you know from home are not right. Things that you know from your conscience do not please God. You will sell it so that you have a friend. Am I talking to somebody? Sometimes you go to school and your friends are discussing all sorts of things. Your friends are introducing you to all sorts of things. You know that it's not right. But because you want to be friends so much and because friendship means so much to you and because it's so difficult sometimes to be different, you want to belong. You want to have friends. So many times, you know that this is not helpful. You know that this is contrary to scripture. But if I, I do this, my friends will say, I'm dolu. My friends will say, I'm not with it. Or if my friends are having a certain discussion and I don't join, I won't have a friend in the school. I'll end up being alone. And because of that, we sacrifice everything. And sometimes things that we shouldn't sacrifice, we sacrifice just so that we will have friends. We want friends as young people so much that sometimes a certain fashion will come. And because we want to belong to the pack and we don't want to lose our friends, we find safety 
in being like our friends and being in a group. Because after all, if I don't become like them, they won't call me anymore. When they see me coming, they may not, they may stop their conversation. They may say, that girl is coming. You know, so in the name of friendship, you sacrifice so many things, including things that don't need to be sacrificed. Some of you, your friends were the first ones to introduce you to sin. Your friends were the first ones to introduce you to bad things on the internet. Your friends were the first ones to tell you about the existence of something and to let you feel that, oh, you know, our parents are trying to hide something from us. Something that is exciting, you know. So you believe your friend more than you believe your parent or your pastor. And it's all because we have this drive as young people to have friends. But this morning I'm asking you, are you God's friend? Are you God's Because the most important friend to have is God. And you will discover that it is so. Your friends are men. When I say men, I mean mortal man. And your friends, some friends deceive. Some friends betray. Some friends offend. Some friends are not happy when you look nice. They'll say you think you are nice. You think you look nice. You think this person is your father. Underneath it is jealousy. They say you think you are this. And sometimes at this age, they don't even know how to cover it or how to deal with it. So it just comes across like that. But the most important friendship that you and I must have is friendship with God. Now turn your Bibles with me to James chapter 2, verse 23. James chapter 2, verse 23. If you don't know the books of the Bible, this is the age at which you must learn the books of the Bible. Because when Jesus was tempted, he said, it is written. Everybody must have an it is written. And if you don't have it is written, when you are tempted, you won't know why you do the things you do. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. He was called the friend of God. Everybody say, he was called the friend of God. Now let's look at Genesis 15, 6. Because that is where it is being taken from. Abraham is having a conversation with God. And he says, you promised me a son, but I don't have any child, any heir. Nothing is coming. And God brought Abraham out of his tent and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said, and God said unto Abraham, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord. 
and he counted it to him for righteousness. He said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the air of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. Amen. Now, God gave this promise long ago. But the Bible says that because Abraham believed and therefore it was imputed to him. To impute is a big word. That just means that it was just given to him. Just because he believed. It was just given to him without any sweat. Amen. Now the Bible says that Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. In your school. In your home. On the playground. Can we call you a friend of God? Who is your friend? First Corinthians 15. Verse 33. The greatest influence on your life. Is not your mother. Your mother may be an influence. The greatest influence may not even be your father. The greatest influence may not even be your pastor. But I can be sure that your greatest influence is the kind of friend you have in your life. Amen? And nowadays, not all our friends are physical. Some of our friends are electronic friends, high-tech friends, friends that you have no business befriending. And this morning, I want to ask you, can God call you his friend? Yes, I know. When it's praise and worship, you come and stand here and you do your stuff. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Is it true? Some of us, we are total strangers to God. Some of us, we are like stepchildren to God. We are not a friend of God. And being a friend of God, this doesn't come by just singing, I am a friend of God. It's good to confess. But the Bible says that faith without works is dead. Now when you read 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. What it means is that, why does the verse start by saying, be not deceived? It means that we are often deceived about the power of friendship and the effect that the kind of friends you keep can have on you. And so before God will say anything in that verse, he just says that before I can tell you what I have to tell you, I have to overcome the deception in your life. And the deception is that, oh, I can have any type of friends. It will not affect me. Oh, I can do secret things because you have secret friends we don't know about. Sometimes the secret friends are flesh and blood. And sometimes the secret friends are high tech. We don't know. <laughs> but they are all your friends. The person you keep company with is your friend. That's the definition of friendship. 
the person you keep company with. So when God, they say that Abraham was called a friend of God. You, you are called the friend of the drug dealer, the friend of the gossip, the friend of that unbeliever, the friend of that immoral person, the friend of that profane person, and not a friend of God. And the Bible is saying that, do not be deceived. Don't think you will get away with it. Don't think you can outsmart certain principles that are in life and were in life because you're, before your father and your mother even met. Don't be deceived and think that, oh, he's just my friend. Oh, when I listen to him, I just think he's not serious. When I listen to her, I just feel she's talking. Oh, when I listen to him, nothing will happen because me, I'm a strong Christian. He says, be not deceived. And to be deceived is to believe a lie. Plain and simple. When you believe a lie, it is deception. And the Bible says, be not deceived. Evil communication. Communication is an old King James word. Can I have the New Living Translation if you have it? Evil communication. Another version says, bad company. Bad company. So the company you keep is the friendship you have in your life. Amen? Some of you, even now, you have lost your reading habit because all that you know is iPod, iPad, and what have you. That's all you know. So even to take a book and read is a problem. Every day, your company you keep are computer games. The company you keep, and then they are going somewhere, Xbox, and then they are going here, and then that. So that the God who, should, who you should keep company with by reading your Bible, he doesn't exist in your life. The God that you should keep company with by having your quiet time, and quiet time is not like homework, something you just have. Quiet time is so that you can develop your friendship with God. The Bible says, evil communication, bad company, bad company. What does it do to good manners? Corrupts. When you say something corrupts, it means that as for the good morals, they are there. The good intention is there. The good heart is there. But when it comes into touch with bad company, it begins to go rusty. It begins to get spoiled. So the good morals describes you who is in Christ. And then you go and you meet bad company. And instead of you affecting bad company like you think, bad company rather affects you. And then you begin to be corrupted. Corrupted means you, evil enters your life. Corruption means bad enters your life. Corruption means decay enters your life. Corruption means you are getting spoiled. Plain and simple. You just start to get spoiled. And we are, looking, we are going to look at somebody who had a certain type of friend and because of that he got spoiled completely. We're going to have a look at that. Say Abraham, he believed God. And it was imputed to him for righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Now, I want you to notice that they didn't say that God was Abraham's friend. 
Abraham was God's friend. So the honest is on you to make God your friend. Amen? So we are going to look at how, Lady Reverend, how do I make God my friend? Are you with me? Okay, James chapter 4 verse 4. Do not be deceived. Evil communications, bad company. As a person next to you, the company you are keeping, is it bad company? (laughs) Open your mouth and as a person look into their eyes, eyeball to eyeball. The company you are keeping, is it bad company? (laughs) The company you are keeping on the computer, is it bad company? (laughs) The company you are keeping on Facebook, is it bad company? The company you are keeping on Twitter, is it bad company? The company you are keeping on Instagram, is it bad company? The company you are keeping on Voxer, is it bad company? The company you are keeping in the chat room, is it bad company? The company you are keeping on Tango, is it bad company? Amen? Bible says, ye adulteress and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Hey, friendship is a choice. Friendship is a choice. It's not something that just happens. And the Bible says that If you are friendship with the world, some of us, our friendship with the world is too tight. Our friendship with the world is too tight. Amen. When I was in secondary school, you see, I got born again from the age of nine by the grace of God. Through my Sunday school teacher, who today will be your safe pastor, isn't it? So my Sunday school teacher told me about Jesus and invited me to give my life to Jesus. And then he would always have Bible study, teaching sessions, so I would attend all the saved meetings. And this teacher, he was called Teacher Yamwa. He would talk to me about God. And from a very young age, he told me, Adelaide, you are called by God. So you cannot afford to live like anybody else. God has a purpose on your life, and you must obey that call. When he said that, I'll be lying to you if I tell you that I understood. I understand what is God's call, how do you answer to the call, and how do you know the call. It didn't even occur to me. I mean, when he said it, he has said it, but not that I'm thinking about it, praying about it. No, I was not at that level at all. But I just knew that teacher Yamwa says, God has called me. So when I went to secondary school, like all of you, from Form 1, I was in SU. All Form 1 students are in SU because if they stay in the dorm, they will send them. Those of you in secondary school, am I right? So they just go so that they will not be sent. Now, when I got to Form 2, I thought that, ah, 
Now I'm in Form 2. I'm not a Form 1 girl. Nobody can disturb me. So I can have a little freedom. And so in Form 2, I'll go for SU, but in a way, go for SU, but in a way, you know. And the main reason when I look back was because the people in my dormitory with whom I fellowshiped with, they had not yet become bad, but they were not Christians. They were not born again Christians. They were just nice people. You eat Gary Photo with them. You eat So Kings. You go here. You whatever. So you don't even realize that your work with God is being affected. Amen? So then, gradually, I was going to SU every Sunday. But I used to go for weekday prayer meetings. Gradually, I saw that after dinner, a few minutes before prep, they'll say, oh, let's go and make biscuits soaking. Oh, let's go and chat here. So I'll just go with them. And gradually, I was stopping to go for the evening prayer meetings that all Christians went for. And then, one day, I was passing by the prayer meeting. And there were some twins, very on fire for the Lord, that I came from my school with. So they were entering the chapel, and I was going with my biscuit-soaking newfound friends by the chapel. And when I met these twins, they said, Adelaide, is that you? And I was like, ah, what are they saying? It's me. You know, when you are doing things, you have an attitude. Eh, it's me. They said that, is this you? That an evening like this, you are walking by the house of God as if you have never known him or been in his presence. Is this you? That prayer meeting believers are gathering in the chapel and you are just taking a walk by the chapel. This is not you. Is this you? They didn't preach to me. Oh. They just asked me if it's me. Do you understand? They just said, is this you? As soon as they said that, all my walkings, my aim for biscuit soaking, my everything, just... I didn't enter the chapel immediately, but I started to think about it. And I said, why did these people say, is it me? I said, as I've come with them from Takradi, they don't know me to be this way. You know, bad company draws you gradually. You don't see it happening. It's like the sea. The waves come gradually before you know you are drowned. But you don't know. You know, so when they said, is this you? Is this? Then after that, they went with zeal into the prayer. And the prayer thing has holes, you know, design blocks. So you can see inside the chapel. So I looked. And I saw, hey, they were praying. Shall we ask the Lord to what? Hey. I said, uh, hey, gradually I'm becoming another person. Gradually, I'm changing without even intending to change. What was the agent of change, my friends? My friends. And so, I went for prep. Then the next morning, when I was having quiet time, and this thing started to come back to me all the time. Is this you? Is this you that today God's people are praying and you are? Is this you? So I said, hey, God. I didn't do anything about it. Is this you? Is this you? Then, Saturday came, a group came to do a drama. And in the drama, 
they depicted those who go to heaven and those who go to hell. Hey, it shook the whole school, including me. And I asked myself, is this me? It's time to line up quickly with God. So then my friends who used to call me during prayer meeting, oh, let's go here. Let's go and buy Auntie Essie's Everlasting. Let's go here. Let's buy sweet pots and mocks. Do you know sweet pots and mocks? Sweet potato and moko. Sweet pots and mocks. Let's go and buy sweet pots and mocks. Let's, oh. They were, they were not showing me anything immoral. They were not telling me to go and rob any place. They were not telling me anything bad to do. But they were drawing me away from Hey, it's Jermaine from the Healing Time Podcast. Listen, I know you may not need this, but I know you know somebody who's broken. Somebody who has lost hope. Somebody just down and out. Tell them that the Healing Time Podcast is here. It is a new day. Let's get better together. From my friend. And that is the subtle way in which Satan works. So after that drama, I rededicated my life. And I went back to where believers go. I started to fellowship with believers again. I started to go to the house of God in the evenings like I had to. And that put me on a completely new course. Notice that I didn't have to fast and pray. I didn't have to cast out any demons. I had to change my company and change the people that I spent time with. Of course, they were my friends, they were in the dorm, whatever, but I had to reorganize my priorities and choose my company with care. And I decided if God's people are in the chapel in the evenings, and if that is where I've gone all this while, only from two, I've come on top. Hey! I must return. So I returned, and I started to fellowship in the house of God. I started to fellowship at the evening prayer meetings, more often than I, I, I was doing. I started to go back to what I knew, and that changed my life. Amen. What was happening was that I was fellowshipping with the world. So the world sometimes presents you with plain sin, but oftentimes it's not like that. It's gradual, one step after the other. Another time I was trying to befriend the world. And the Bible says that as soon as you become friends with the world, you are an automatic enemy of God. And if I were you, the last enemy I watch on this planet is God. If God is not for you, what will happen to you? If God is not on your side, it's not even that he's neutral, but he has become your enemy because of the type of friendships you keep. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Now, as we went along, these my worldly friends who used to go and buy sweet pots and mocks and things with me. Our paths just went differently. Gradually, gradually, they became dawns in whatever they were doing. And gradually, gradually, I also grew in the things of God. In the scripture union, I became a Bible study leader. In the world, they also became world study leaders. They could lead you 
into what you should become. Do you understand? Am I making sense? So friendship with the world is enmity with God. You don't have to tell God I'm your enemy. But just the type of friendship you choose to have makes you an enemy. Makes God your enemy. And if I were you, I would not choose that. Amen. Now as we went along, many of them did not become born again at that stage of our lives. And when we got to the university, it even became worse. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. And the Bible says that when you are with the world, then you are an adulterer. Because you are married to Christ and you've gone to take another husband. So you are committing adultery. That's why it says you adulteress and adulteresses. Amen? So, but Lady Reverend, me, a little girl, what adultery? Hey, your friendship with the world has made you an adulterer. Amen, somebody? And so as I grew along in the things of God, it affected my studies. It affected my social life. It affected the friends I chose. It affected, you see, when you really mean business with God, every aspect of your life will be affected. True or false? I always say that Jesus Christ is more than a package. When you say yes to God, you will read the verse that says that whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all to the glory of God. So when you go and sit down to study, at least that's why we were brought up, the studying was to bring glory to God. So you learn in such a way that God will be glorified. The Bible says whether you eat or you drink, do all to the, even eating and drinking. Lady Reverend, how can that be? Even eating and drinking is affected because you chose God to be your friend. So because of that, I became more studious, of course. They said redeeming the time. They told us how you waste your time in life. It's not right. So we had talks. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. So when you are talking foolish talk, you know that this is not redeeming the time. When you should be learning, you know that this is not redeeming the time. And so that decision to make God my friend puts me on a certain line. By the grace of God, I went to the university. But I want to tell you that the fact that you choose your friend to be God now does not mean that you won't come to many junctions of your life when you have to make a decision. So when I got to the university also, I was in first year, and all the people said, we like your Christianity. Your Christianity is so nice. And when I asked them why, they said that, you see, you are not into our face with your Christianity. You see, you, you, you flow with everybody, you know. Even when unbelievers invite you to a party, you will come. But you may not do anything bad, but you will come, you know. You are the type of Christian we like. Jesus said, woe to you when all men speak well of you. So when people of the world tell you that they like your friendship, be careful because it means you have become a friend of the world. Amen. Which is what happened to me. I became a friend of the world. Not that I started to do anything, whatever, but the world liked me. You understand? The world said you are nice. Unlike my husband, the bishop, he, when we entered the university, ah, 
I didn't know him before. And I met him in a friend's room. And the friend said, oh, this is my friend I just met. He's also called Dad, whatever. Oh, hello. Now, when I see him in the university, he has come into our hall. It's a girl's hall. You, you are from a male hall. You are coming to the hall. He went to Achimota school, so he has friends in the hall. He's coming to visit. Me too, he's a casual friend. I don't know him so well. But every time, there's a long space in, in the middle of Volta Hall. The rooms are here, so you can be seen. So he'll be walking. And then when we see him, we'll say, oh, hello, brother Doug. Oh, kebala mashande ne mama. Oh, namala You can't go, so you have to stand there. Oh, I'm going to heaven. Heaven is my home. I'm bought by the blood. I'm redeemed by the blood. I love Jesus. Hello, sister. How are you? I said, hey. So I said to my friend, this is your friend. He's too known. And do you know something? I don't like him at all. I don't like his behavior. He's too radical. We are all born again. So if I say hello, you should speak in tongues. Tell me that you are going to heaven. Who is not going to heaven? Who is not going to heaven? And then, everybody started to say, oh, this guy, you know. Some Christians liked him, but the unbelievers, they were not happy. They said, mm, this guy, when you greet him, then now he says, that unbelievers come with their jam. Unbelievers come with their posters. Unbelievers are very bold about what they are doing. They bring boys to sleep in the room. They are not ashamed. Why should I be ashamed of the gospel? So I said to my friend that this is your friend. He will forever remain my casual friend because this type of radical, I cannot. And then one day, a boy came to invite me to go and watch a movie. I knew him from Takradi. I said, eh, what type of movie is it? You see, the fact that an unbeliever can even suggest to you that, let's go and watch a movie. It means that you are too nice for the world. And your friendship with the world is too much. Do you see? So he dared to ask me that, oh. I said, what's the title of the movie? He said, oh, Diamonds Are Forever. I said, really? Is it a safe movie? He said, yes, it's a safe movie. So I said, okay. Let's go and watch Diamonds Are Forever. Long room, Legon Hall. So we went to watch Diamonds Are Forever. Me, my innocent, if mind, I feel that oh, if you have invited me, hey, now as we are sitting there watching this Diamonds Are Forever, the person is putting his arms around me, that's not what I came for. Ah, I know you from Takrad, we have come to watch a movie. Now you are putting your arms around, what does it mean? Thankfully, when I got there, the movie was about ending. So it ended. So I myself, I was like, ah, what, 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 what? What does this person mean? What is it about? You know? So he, I was going with him to my hall. He was going to see me off. Then I met Brother Dad. Wow. Hey, Sister Adelaide, glory to God. Where are you from? I said, I went to watch a movie. And the boy was standing there. He said, that, Hey, unbelievers, they are killing themselves with what they watch. And I was very bored. I said, I'm a believer, and you are telling me that unbelievers are killing themselves with what they watch. How can you say that? You know, he said that unbelievers, anyway, what did you go and watch? I said, James Bond. They said, Diamonds are forever. Hey, 
Eh, sister, have you read that? Let your eyes look straight before the other. You should be careful what you watch or whatever. I said, but this guy, you don't know me. No, you started preaching, judging me, whatever. So anyway, I went to my room. But what he said struck me when he said, unbelievers, they are killing themselves with the things they watch. Do you see? And then I said, that was not enough. It was October rush. We go to school in October. And that's when all the boys start to wrap you. And to, but if you are a and you are, whatever, with your Bible, you are going, most of the time they will not venture. You know, but then I would come to my pigeonhole with my sister. My sister was an unbeliever. And so she was trying to make herself my godmother. You see, so she would say, oh, we are going to this party today. I said, really? What will happen there? She said, oh, it's just a party, you know, to get to know you. And, you know, try not to be antisocial and try and come. And, and I'll think, ah, what if I go? I don't do anything bad. Do you understand? So I met my husband again. He said, hey, sister, what are you holding? Somebody I don't know very well. I said, oh, I got some invitations. Hey, how come me? I've been in this university. Nobody has invited me to a jam before. But you, every time, look at your pigeonhole. It is full of invitations. How can that be? I said, I don't know. Then he opened the invitation. Hey, Mr. P, tall hunk of a tall tapa, love lapper, and this is the gapper, Mr. P, inviting you to, hey, sister. So I look at the invitation, and I wouldn't really go. I, I didn't get to attend that because something in me would say, no, this is not the company that you should keep. But then another voice would say, but are you going to be antisocial in the university forever? If you don't fellowship, will you have friends? You've come to the university, you don't know anybody. These are the people you know, they are nice to you. And when they invite you to their party, you are trying not to be there. What, what, what are you trying to achieve? You know, so one day I met Bishop Dag again. And he said, this party you are going for, is it in the Bible? And I had also been a Christian for a long time. So I said, yes, it's in the Bible. Jesus was invited to a party by Matthew. Jesus was invited to dinner by a Pharisee. Jesus went to parties and to dinners with unbelievers. My husband said, really? Okay, tomorrow we meet. You bring your pro-jam verses. I will bring my anti-jam verses and we'll discuss. So we met in this friend's room again. And I brought my verses. Matthew went to a party. Jesus went to a dinner. He was invited by Pharisees. Jesus chilled. And my husband said, oh, I see. Everything you are saying is true. But when Jesus went to the party, it was a crusade. And he spoke to the people publicly. He preached to them. So if when you go to a party, you won't just sit at a table and be coy. But you will say, excuse me, I have something to say. Jesus of Nazareth, he came to die for you. He can give you life. He can set you free. Then yes, you are going to a scriptural party. Amen. So when he said that, I was very quiet. I said, hey, I thought I knew the scriptures. Later when he became closer to me, he said, you know, you had so many verses that you made me study the Bible. Because every time I would say this, you would quote and say, no. Jesus did this and this based on Matthew, this is. So I will go to my room, go and study and come back with another verse. But what was happening was friendship with the world. When you don't declare your stand anywhere you go, 
you invite a lot of unnecessary temptations, unnecessary trials, unnecessary battles, and we have enough battles in the Christian life. Amen? And so one day, the Holy Spirit literally walked into my room. My sister had gone home. My sister had gone home. And then I had gone to see her off at the gate. And I decided to come back to my room. Before then, I had met an unbeliever. Every time I was going to lectures, he would be on his balcony at a quaffle hall. Then one day, he called and then he crossed the road and said, Oh, lovely lady. I'm sure you are in first year. You are so, oh, yeah, I'm in first year. So, can I walk you to the law faculty? Uh, I was with my roommate. Uh, if you want, you can walk as a mewi dear. Then now, every time we're passing for lectures, this guy would come down, give us a packet of biscuits, some chocolates, be very sweet to us. So we thought, oh, wow. And then, one day he said, you know, my mother will be very happy to meet you. I said, your mother? Why? He said, because you seem to be the kind of girl that my mother would like me to marry. Hey, a major unbeliever. So I said to my friend, through whom I met Bishop, Kay, I said, Kay, let's go and witness to this guy. He may give his life to Christ. If he gives his life to Christ, then he can become our, my beloved. Do you see? So we went and we witnessed to him. Let me tell you, it's the shortest conversion I've ever seen. When I preached to him, I said, do you want to give your life to Christ? Yes. Do you want to pray the sinner's prayer? Yes. When do you want to do that? Now. Hey. I said, okay, bow your head. He bowed it immediately. I said, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I give my life. Everything. Then he said to me, oh, I was even going for some party on the rooftop. But because you have told me about Jesus, I will not go to that party. I said, oh, wow. The guy has come to know the Lord. And then he started to, I, I said, so do you have a Bible? As a new believer, do you have a Bible? So I can look for it. Then he stood on some chair, on some ladder, on top of his wardrobe. Look, I said, hey, the Bible is very foul. <laughs> but when you want to do certain things, you close your eyes to certain things. So I said, hey, the Bible is very far. Then he went, ah, then he looked. Said, oh, I found it then. He dusted it a bit, some small. You see these Gideons? So, I did. I found my Bible. And because of that, I won't even go to the jam. I just want to meditate. Oh, I'm so happy. So, my friend and I left. We went for a meeting. And we were discussing that, oh, I mean, God really gives people tender hearts towards the things of God. So, the next morning, I saw a friend who was wishy-washy and used to be my friend. So, I said to her, oh. Last night, we went to this brother's room. We witnessed to him. He gave us, ah, are you sure he was at the jam? <laughs> ah. I said, which? I said, oh, the rooftop jam. He was there, cry. I said, what are you? I said, oh, he was there. I was so shocked. The next day, I saw him in Volta Holland. He said, oh, yesterday's message, it really touched me. I said, but you said you wouldn't go for the party. Oh, you know, people were calling me and then. When I saw my sister off back to, I came to my room. As soon as I walked in, I believe the Holy Spirit just walked into that room with me. 
So what I did was I closed the door and I got down on my knees for some strange reason. I just started to pray. The very second, I think I knew in my heart what God was saying. And I said, God, yes, I will give up all these friendships. It's true, I will. Because my husband used to come to Volta Hall and I will be in front of the hall, sitting with my newfound friends, chatting, happy. You're always sitting here with people, chatting, you are happy. I say, I've come to uni, I should be happy. If you want to be stiff, be stiff. But God dealt with me. Somehow, it didn't come through anybody. It was just a presence. So I just got down on my knees. I started crying. Why was I crying? I was crying because I thought I was losing valuable friendships. I was crying because I thought that I was losing nice people to go and inherit these boring, crazy people. Do you understand? So I got down on my knees. I was crying. I said, Lord, Lord, I will. Lord, I will. And on those days, I didn't know how to be led by the Holy Spirit. So I said, Lord, wherever this Bible falls, that's the word you have for me. So I just opened it like that. The Bible opened. And then it went to Corinthians. And it said, therefore, come out from among them. And be ye separate, says the Lord. And I will be your God. And you shall be my people. Amen. If that wasn't the Holy Spirit, I didn't even know that verse. So I continued to pray. I said, Lord, I've come out of them. I've come out of them. And the Holy Spirit said, it's going to cost you. And boy, did it cost me. By the next day, Lady Reverend, what point are you making? I didn't have to go and tell this my uh, fast food believer, instant believer. I didn't have to go and microwave believer. I didn't have to go and tell him that, you know, now I've decided to go all out with God. I've decided to be very serious. There was no such thing. They just dropped one by one. They just dropped one by one. When you yourself become a certain serious Christian, you will invite a certain type of friendship. And many people out there in the world will not be interested in you. But if the world is always interested in you, you are probably an adulterer. Somebody who has friendship with the world and friendship with God. That is probably what is happening in your life. Because I didn't have to announce. I didn't have to put on their doors. Oh, now I've moved to a higher level of commitment to God. Oh, now they just dropped. For the last two weeks, I had no friend. And when you walk with God, you pay a price. You don't just walk with God and then everything is easy. So sometimes when I talk to Christians and they say, Mommy, it's so hard. It's prophetical. You believe in prophecy. We say, Shenkom. In Komnise, it shall be hard. In Komnise, the Bible says, All that shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's a promise. It's a prophecy. Uhriso, receive it. <laughs> Jesus said, Take up your cross and follow me. Where are you taking the cross to? To die to yourself. To die to things that you love. That are not healthy for you. To die to things that have become like idols in your life. That Christ is calling on you to lay on the altar today. That is what God is saying. Amen? Are you with me?
Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Lady Reverend, what is the world? The world is everything that is contrary to God. Like I told you, I hadn't, I didn't get into any immorality, anything bad, whatever, but that is friendship with the world. You feel cozy with the world. You feel at home with the world. You flow with the world. And you think like the world. Some of you will soon be going to uni. As soon as you arrive, you must identify with the people of God. As soon as you arrive, people must know that you are a Christian. Like I said about Bishop Doug, sometimes it means being radical, speaking tongues. When you are entering the room, you don't know whether your roommate is born again or not, but you have decided that that room must be sanctified for you don't know the things that have happened in that room. So before, when you put your things down, you enter the room, you say, Jehovah, I enter this room in your name. I plead the blood as a covering. I drive out every evil spirit. I cause the Holy Spirit to take over completely. They say, hey, small room that we have come to. You must declare your stand. You cannot hide your identity. You can't wait for the world to define your identity. You need to stand up. Those of you who are writing B.E.C., when you get to secondary school, there are many godfathers and godmothers to show you and lead you in the paths of unholiness and righteousness. Amen. And you must make your stand clear by your actions and by your attitude. But when your stand is not clear, it's like you are half here, half there. One leg is here, one leg is there. You have more problems as a Christian. And it's easier to backslide. Amen. Are you a friend of God? One of the main signs is that when you are a friend of God, the world is not your friend. When you are a friend of God, the world cannot be your friend. But if the world likes you, the world applauds you like it was applauding me in first year. The world says your brand of Christianity is nice. Then check your Christianity. There must be something wrong with it. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 13 verse 6. Some of you and most of us, we learn things by who introduces us to things. So your friends can introduce you to all sorts of things that are not of God. And when your friends introduce you to that, then you have ceased to be a friend of God. Amen. Are you there? Deuteronomy chapter 13, reading from verse 6. If thy brother, the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is as thine own soul, entice thee secretly, saying, let us go and serve other gods, which thou hast not known. Thou nor thy fathers. Verse 7. Verse 7. Are you coming there? Yeah. So you continue till I tell you to stop. Namely of the gods of the people which are round about you, nigh unto thee or far from thee, from the one end of the earth, even unto the other end of the earth. Verse 8. 
Thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him, neither shalt thine eye pity him, neither shalt thou spare, neither shalt thou conceal him. Verse 9. But thou shalt surely kill him. Thine hand shall be first upon him to put him to death. And afterwards, the hand of all the people. Amen. It's talking about a brother, a mother, a wife of your bosom. And then he says, even a friend who is one soul with you. When that person entices you to do evil, entices you to conceal him, entices you to consent to certain things, consent is to agree, to give in, to go along with. And the Bible says that kind of friend, you must kill him. Amen? As a person next to you, do you have any friend you must kill? Do you have any friendship you must kill? When you leave this meeting, kill that friendship. God says when you have a friend like that who entices you, entices to draw you, entices to attract you in a way, and then gently and secretly take you away from the word of God, that person should be killed, not cuddled, not embraced, and not entertained. Are you a friend of God? Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Amen, somebody. Now, I want you to look at a friend like that, that his friend should have killed. <laughs> but the friend did not kill him, but he should have. 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 32 to 33. 2 Samuel 13, 32 to 33. 2 Samuel 13, 32 iPad is misbehaving. Second Samuel 13. Are we there? All right. Hmm. It's about Absalom, okay? And we are reading about an evil that started. And I want us to see where that evil came from. Verse 1. Let's read from verse 1. 2 Samuel 13, verse 1. It came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. They were brother and sister. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. Some of you will say, oh, what love? This is cruel love and it's not love. For she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. Amnon was in love with Tamar. A brother and a sister. I don't know how they will marry. But these were half brothers and half sisters. Under Jewish law. So I don't know. But when he thought about it, it was difficult. It's like, ah, I can't do anything about this. I can't do anything and toward, toward my sister. She's my sister in Christ. She's my sister in the body of Christ. She's my brother. He's my brother in Christ. I, I can't do such things. I mean, it's a hard thought. 
I can't. And was going to end at that. He didn't even let the thoughts go beyond that. But the Bible says, hmm. Verse 3, but Amnon had a friend. Everybody say, but Amnon had a friend. But Amnon had a friend. You see, you may be innocent. Certain things may be hard for you to do. Certain things you don't even want to entertain the thought of. Certain things when you hear about it now, you say, ah, how? I mean, how? How will, such a, how will people even do such a thing? That is the state in which you are in. But you must be careful the friend you have. You must be, no matter how pure you are. As the Bible says, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Amnon was good. Even to think about such a thing, it was hard for him to, ah, why should I even have such a thought? We are all in the church. We are all in Christ. Why should I even entertain something like that? He never entertained something like that. But the Bible says, but Amnon had a friend. You too, you have a friend. You may love God. You may want to serve him with all your heart. It's not your mind at all to become something else. But you have a friend on the internet. You have a friend on Facebook. You have a friend in your home and by your house. You have a friend in class who advises you and tells you all sorts of things. But, but Amnon had a friend. You too, you have a friend. But Gracie had a friend. But Felix had a friend. But Alex had a friend. But Marianne had a friend. You too, you have a friend. But, but, you see, he had clear thoughts. This thing, I can't do it. This thing, that's not how I'm brought up. This thing, that's not what the word of God says. This thing, it's not a part of me. I'm not used to such things. But Amnon had a friend. What friend do you have in your life? What company do you keep that we don't even know about? But Amnon had a friend. Whose name was Jonadab? The son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. Jonadab was a very cunning. Like this and like that. You can't see him clearly. And that's the friend you have. Some of you sitting here from tonight, today's meeting, the Jonadabs in your life, you must kill them. The Jonadabs in your life, they must go. The Jonadabs in your life, you must sacrifice them because they will destroy you. But Amnon had a friend. And he said unto him, Why art thou being the king's son, lean from day to day? Would thou not tell me? You see, your friends seem to care a lot about you. And you are deceived into thinking that they are the most precious things in your life. That's your cunning friend that your parents don't know what he does, but he's like this. And when he sees grown-ups, he knows how to make his face and greet them. And when you are doing things and then your mother and your father are coming, you are discussing certain things, you change the topic and you try to say, John 3.16, you see, God so loved the world. One thing you forget is that we've all have been children before. 
It's adults that we haven't been. We all haven't been. And he comes from a totally useless angle. Oh, why is it that you are the king's son and then you are growing lean? See, king's sons don't grow lean. What type of nonsense is this? A king's son also has limitations. If you are a king's son, it doesn't mean you can do anything and everything. But Amnon comes to you, Jonadab comes to you with love, with care, with concern. Oh, I, I care about you. You see that boy who is wrapping you from Moas. He said, oh, I care about you. <laughs> He's the Jonadab in your life. Anyway. Where were we, verse? Verse 4. Would thou not tell me? You see, Amnon wasn't forthcoming with what it was. So Jonadab is now wooing him. Oh, I care. You are the king's son. Why are you losing weight? I care about your state. I care about you. You are my best friend. You mean so much to me. We share secrets together. Won't you tell me? Be careful who you share your problems with. Be careful who you share your weaknesses with. It has to be a spiritual person. The Bible says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Ungodly counsel is not good. Even sometimes a person may be in church, but may give you ungodly counsel. Amen? Would thou not tell me? Hmm. And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. You see, it's even difficult for Amnon to share such a thing. And he probably was going to keep it to himself till he overcame it. But now, this Jonadab has come. And Jonadab said unto him, Lay thee down on thy bed, and make thyself sick. And when thy father comes to see thee, say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come and give me meat, and dress the meat in my sight, that I may see it and eat it at her hand. So Amnon laid down and made himself sick. You see your foolishness? Jonadab is telling you, lie down as if you are sick. Any friend who encourages you to lie, any friend who encourages you to deceive your parents, any friend who encourages you to cover up things, is a Jonadab in your life. And you better watch out. You better watch out. You think he's helping you. He's helping you to commit a sin. He's helping you to disobey God. He says, pretend that you are sick and lie in the bed. And when your father comes, lie to him too. Any friend who encourages you, oh, let's hide it from our parents. Let's do this and that and that. They won't know. Let's just keep a secret. We are special. It's a destructive force in your life. And I pray that God will deliver you from that friend. Amen? I'm dialing your numbers right here. So I'm not laid down. You see how foolish you are? You see how bad company subtly has corrupted you? you were, it was even a hard thing for you to even think about. Now you are actually doing and preparing the ground to sin. That's not where you started from. But Amnon had a friend. The friend you have will lead you away from even 
the fear of God in your life. So he lay down. <laughs> and when the king was come to see him, Amnon said, he followed all the things. Let my sister come and make cakes. Then David innocently went home and sent for Tamar. So oh, your brother is sick, go and cook for him. Verse 9, she took a pan and poured them before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, have out all men from me. And they went out every man from him. You, Tamar, too. The sisters amongst you. These days, the world is a certain way, and we have to work with a bit more wisdom. When you are going to a man's room, he can be your uncle or your what? When he begins to send everybody away and leave only you in the room. Run, sister, run! Amen! Don't say that, oh, he's my uncle. And then he called, he's your uncle. Why is he sending everybody away? He's sick. You've come to make food. Why should everybody be sent away? Sometimes you are working. Somebody calls you. Even sometimes in the papers, men you don't even know. He said, go to my room. Bring some money. I'm sending you to go and buy this. Oh, I'm a polite girl. I'm a Christian. So I can, you can't afford to do that. You need to walk by wisdom. Amen. And I'm saying this emphatically because... I used to be on the domestic violence board, management board, and I've seen this over and over again. So when a man says, oh, come to my room, everybody else, go out. Oh, lock the door. I have a secret. I want to show you something. Hey, you are following. You better run the, open the door and run for your life. Amen, sisters. Even now, brothers cry also at risk. Mercy on the clay. So he says, oh, I won't eat. You see, all of it is strategy. I won't eat. And Amnon said unto Tamar, bring the meat into the chamber. He has sent every, everybody away. Now he says, come into the chamber. How are you thinking? That I may eat of thine hand. And Tamar took the cakes, because she knows it's my brother, which she had made, and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said unto her, Come. Lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, Nay, my brother, don't force me, for so, no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Don't do this foolish thing. And whither shall I cause my shame to go? And as for you, you will be as one of the fools in Israel. Neither, I pray thee, speak unto the king, because he may allow you to marry me. See, she was trying to be conciliatory, beg him, please. But he would not hearken unto her voice. And being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. Immediately in verse 15, then Amnon hated her exceedingly. Sisters, when you give yourself to a man, just because this is what happens. As soon as he has finished using you, he hates you. Amen? And I think that the reason why Amnon hated Tamar instantly was that that was not his heart. That's not what he, went, he wanted to do. But Jonadab had counseled him and walked him through every step. And so after that, he said, ah, I hate myself and I hate you. Get up, leave. But Amnon had a friend. All that he did was based on a friend's counsel. All that he did was based on a friend's influence. All that he did was because of a wrong person in his life. Who are the wrong numbers in your life? 
Who are the wrong people in your life? Delete them now. Amen? Hmm. Then he called his servant that ministered unto him, verse 17, and said, Put now this woman out from me and bolt the door after her. And she had a garment of diverse colors upon her, for with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins apparelled. When you are the king of king's daughter, you keep your purity. Tamar kept her purity. So even in the olden days, when you were a pure woman, you kept your body. There was even clothes, special clothes that you wore. And just because of Jonadab's counsel, Tamar's life had also been destroyed. When you have a bad friend in your life, it's not only you who is being corrupted. It's not only you whose life is being spoiled, but you too will attack somebody else. And that somebody else will also affect somebody else. And then the corruption goes on and on. Amen, somebody? We are still reading. Verse 23. No, before we get there. Verse 21. When King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. And Absalom spake unto his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. The counsel of Jonadab had brought hatred between two brothers. But Amnon had a friend. Just one friendship you went to make. And that friend counseling you has even led to brothers becoming enemies and having hatred in a family between them. Beware of the Jonadab in your life. Don't take it lightly. For friendship with the world is enmity with God. Verse 23. And it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep sharers in Bahazor, which is beside wherever. Verse 24. And Absalom came to the king and said, Thy servant has sheep sharers. Let the king, I beseech thee, and his servant go with thy servant. And the king said to Absalom, Nay, my son, let us not all go now, lest we be chargeable unto thee. That is, if we are too many, your party will become too expensive. And his servants, and the king said to Absalom, okay. And he pressed him, howbeit he will not go, but blessed him. Then said Absalom, if not, I pray thee, let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king answered unto him, why should he go with thee? But Absalom pressed him, that he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Now Absalom has commanded his servants, saying, mark ye now when Amnon's heart is merry within, with wine. And when I say unto you, smite Amnon, then kill him. Fear not, have I not commanded you? Be courageous and be very valiant. And the servants of Absalom did unto Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, and everyone got him upon his mule and fled. And it came to pass, while they were in the way, that tidings came to David, saying, Absalom had slain all the king's sons. And there's no one of them left. Then the king arose and tear his garments and lay on the earth. And all his servants stood by with their clothes rent. And Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother, answered and said, 
Oh, let not my Lord suppose that they have slain all the young men, the king's sons. For Amnon only is dead. For by the appointment of Absalom, this has been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Now therefore, let not my Lord the king take this thing to heart, to think that all the king's sons are dead. For only Amnon is dead. Jonadab's advice led to Amnon losing his life. Your Jonadab will let you lose your salvation. Your Jonadab will let you lose your God. And your Jonadab can even let you go to jail. People have been introduced to drugs and other things and they have ended up in jail. People have been introduced to things that become a stronghold in their lives and they are not able to overcome because of a Jonadab. And this Jonadab, that was behaving as if he loved you so much. When you die, he says, it's only Amnon. Oh, my God, my Lord, don't take this to heart. Only Amnon is dead. Only Amnon. The person who said, oh, I care about you. Are you not the king's son? Why have you grown lean? When you die and you are gone, he is still alive. And to him, your death is only, it's nothing. It's only Amnon. Why would you sacrifice friendship with the Lord? With friendship with your friends who don't love God. With friendships with your friends who don't fear God. With friendships with your friends who are just worldly. Jonadab is still alive. You are gone. Jonadab is going to uni. You can't see head or tail of where you are going. Jonadab has settled down and is going to marry nicely. You don't see where you are going. You have to kill the Jonadab in your life. And because of Jonadab's counsel, there was enmity between David and Absalom. Because Absalom felt that his father had not dealt well with the situation and had left Amnon to just be around. Because of that, it created problems in the kingdom. Amnon was the firstborn. He was supposed to be king. But because of Jonadab's counsel, David had no more a firstborn. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. God has a plan and a destiny for your future. Why do you allow the Jonadab, the company you keep, to destroy your destiny? Why do you short circuit what Jehovah has in mind for you? Why? Because of the type of friends you keep. Because of the type of company that influences you. Why? Why? Why if you are designated to be the king's son? Why if you are, you are chosen by God to be in ministry? Why if you are chosen by God to be a pastor? To be an evangelist? To be the next healing Jesus evangelist? And you allow a Jonadab to lead you to a place where you lose your very life. Sometimes you may be alive physically, but spiritually you are finished because of the Jonadab in your life. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Hallelujah, somebody. And as if that's not enough, a nation is ripped into two. Absalom chases his father out of town. And David almost loses his throne. In the end, Absalom is also killed. All these things have come even to national proportions. Why? 
because Amnon had a friend. All these things have become a national issue. The Joabs and the confusion and the coffee. Why? Because Amnon had a friend. What friend do you have? What influence is in your life? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it the word of God? When you are in your secret place, is it God? Is there a hunger and a thirst for the things of God? What is in your heart? Who do you fellowship with in your secret moments? Who is telling you things? Who is telling you, oh, mommy and daddy are hiding certain things for you, but you know, we can discover ourselves. We can discover certain things. We can talk about it. You know, there's not really sin. It's growing up. Forgiveness made easy. But Amnon had a friend who was called Jonadab. Who is your friend? Mm. Is God your friend? Is God your friend? Turn to the person next to you and say, who is your Jonadab? Mention his name secretly in my ears. I want to know. Now, Lady Reverend, how do I become a friend of God? How do I become a friend of God? First of all, from the verse I read, it said, Abraham believed God. And it was imputed to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. We become saved by believing. And we remain saved by continuing to believe. We know from your actions whether you believe in God or not. And we know from your actions whether God's word is anything important to you or not. Abraham believed God. The Bible says against hope he believed in hope. That what God had promised he was able to perform. You need to believe God and God and his word are one. And you need to stick on your, your life on God's word. When you believe him, you are towards the first step of becoming his friend. Amen? Amen? Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, friendship with God is enmity with the world. You become God's friend by living as if you believe what you say you believe. You become God's friend by your actions showing us what you believe. Because when Abraham believed, it wasn't just whatever. His actions showed us that he believed. Amen? And you to your actions will show us whether you believe. Amen? So don't let your faith in God go down. No matter what stage of life you get to, believe God and believe his word. Proverbs 17 verse 17 says, a friend loves at all times. If you want to be God's friend, you must continue loving God. When it's good and when it's bad. When you are sad and when you are happy. When mommy says things you don't like and when mommy says things you like. When you have a friend you like and a friend you know that you must let go of. Because you love God, you will let go of that friend. A friend loves at all times. 
If you want to be God's friend, you must work on your love for God. And you must love God at all times. Lady Reverend, how do I know whether I love God? The Bible says, if you love me, obey. Obey. Amen. The cardinal sign of love is obedience. Amen. And God is saying, if you love me, obey the things that are preached to you. Obey the things that you read about. Obey the messages that you listen to. Because a friend loves at all times. You become God's friend by spending time with him. Amen. If you don't spend some, some time with somebody, you don't develop company with a friend. Amen. That's why the Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. Good company also enhances good morals. Amen. So company with God. You company with God through your quiet time. You company with God through your prayer. In quiet time, God speaks to you through his word. In prayer, you speak to God about what you have read and whatever is in your life. You need to cultivate a closeness with God. You get close to God also by fellowship. So when it's saved, they are having any program, put yourself in it. Don't behave like me and walk and go and make sweet pots and mocks when people are praying in the house of God. Join yourself to people who are going somewhere in the things of God. That is how to make God your friend. If you have a friend, you will talk to the friend. Isn't it? And the friend will also talk to you. Then you will say you have communication. But if you have a friend that every time we have to ask you, have you spoken to your friend today? That is, have you had your quiet time this morning? Have you spoken to your friend in five days? So, oh, I forgot. Oh, I forgot. But those your foolish friends at school, you never forget to speak to them. So if God is really your friend, you will keep company with him. A friend loves at all times. Amen. And then if you want God to be your friend, you must allow him to correct you. A good friend is a friend who can tell you the truth and correct you. God will correct you through parents. God will correct you through pastors. God will correct you through teachers. God will correct you through his word. God will correct you through even your own friends. Proverbs 27 verse 9. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. Amen? If you want to make God your friend, your love for God must stay at an all-time high every time. If you want to make God your friend, you have to turn your back on the world. If you want to make God your friend, you must spend time with him. If you don't spend time with somebody, how do you get to know the person? The reason why we know you as our children is because you live with us. You get to know us, we also get to know you. Sometimes my children say, oh, before you speak, we know what you are going to say. You know, and they'll say, yes, you used to tell us, stay focused. You are not focused. Your mind is everywhere. Just stay focused. How do they get to know that? Just by being with us and we speak all the time and they know certain things you always say, isn't it? Once my little daughter, my mother came to look after her before, because I traveled and then somehow my mother was chatting with her and she said to my mother, 
Uh, mommy always tells me, Ekasa Dodo. So when I came back from my journey, my mother said, Why? When your daughter is speaking to you, then every day you say, Ekasa Dodo. I said, ah, How do you know? He said, Your daughter told me. How does my daughter know that I always say Ekasa Dodo? By being with me all the time, spending time with me, and being in my company. It's the same with God. When you stay with God, you, 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 you fertilize the friendship. And you stir up the company. And then God begins to affect you. And you also affect him. And there's no magical way of doing that. You have to make him your friend by staying in his word. Make him your friend through quiet time. Make him your friend by prayer. Make him your friend by sharing about him. When you are excited about a friend, you will naturally talk about him. Do you know that witnessing is a protection for you? Witnessing delivers you because witnessing makes you make a stand for Jesus. And therefore, so many unnecessary battles don't come your way. A friend loves at all times. I pray that the Lord will help you to become his friend. Finally, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 11. Proverbs 22, verse 11. He that loveth pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. He that loveth pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. Purity of heart makes God your friend. Purity of heart makes God your friend. And we became Christians because we cannot by our own strength become all that God wants us to become. But when we accept Christ, he gives us power by the Holy Spirit to overcome every work of the enemy. But many Christians today, especially young people, are not keeping their body under. They feel that it will be automatic. You just obey God. But it's not like that. Man is a spirit. He has a soul. And he lives in a body. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.27, For I keep my body under, and I let it serve me, lest after preaching Christ, I myself may be a castaway. Apostle Paul didn't take things for granted. He didn't think that, oh, once I'm an apostle, I've preached so much, I'll be okay. He said, I keep my body under. There are many things your body would like to do, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you must control your body and yourself. When mommy talks, you feel like talking back. You feel like being rude. Some of you go and ask, mommy, there's first fire. Can I go? And mommy says, have you made your bed? Have you swept? Then you have an attitude. <laughs> Meanwhile, you say you are going to first fire. Let me ask you, what are you going to the first fire to do? To know God and to obey him. Not so. But that first fire that you are going to, even the permission that you are asking, your body language is off. You see, when they say, have you laid your bed? No. Have you swept where you should sweep? No. Have you done your homework? No. But I'm on fire for Jesus. It doesn't make sense. Do you see? So you have to keep your body under. Some of you are so prone to anger, temper, and all sorts of misbehavior. You must keep your body under and allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to bring forth the fruits of your, the Spirit in your life. 
if I have another opportunity at a first fire, I will preach about the fruits of the Spirit. Because we have the gifts of the Spirit, but the fruits are not being made manifest. Do you see? So the fruits of the Spirit must come forth. And by pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king. And who is the king of kings? Who is the king of kings? It's Jesus. And by pureness of heart, the king can become your friend. Amen. So I want you to walk out of here making a vow of purity and pureness. That you walk with God. That when it gets tough, you still walk with God. You see, we as parents can encourage you. But when you get to a certain age, we cannot choose your God for you. And we cannot choose your Savior for you. And at that point, we may not say it with our mouths, but what we are saying is, choose you this day whom you will serve. No matter how long God blesses us with life, we can never live forever. So after that, we've brought you up, we've shown you the ways of the Lord, we will bow out and you will have to make the choice whether to follow Jesus. Your world is so full of sin. Your world is so full of compromise. Your world is so full of logic. You know, say, oh, a man can marry a man and a woman can marry a woman. We will divide ourselves into groups of ages and we will deal with that whilst we are here. Mind, do you have the DVD here? And so I hope that in the next session, we will have a question and answer time and then we'll also have the workshops. So God bless you and may you become a friend of God. Stand to your feet. Every eye had bowed and every eye closed. Obey me, chain my down
don't know Jesus as your savior, every head bowed and every eye closed. You know that you have been playing games with God and today you've come face to face with the word of God and with the salvation that Jehovah is offering to you this afternoon. You want to say, Lady Reverend, I want to stop playing games with God. Lady Reverend, I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. I want to make it right with God now. Lady Reverend, I know that God sometimes calls children home and they are not ready. But today, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to go all out for Jesus. I want him to become the Lord of my life. I want to go to heaven when I die. Lady Reverend, I need you to pray for me. Lead me to the master. I want to start all over again. A new life. Every eye closed and every head bowed. Wherever you are standing. Please put up your hand. High above your shoulder. Forget about who is on your left and who is on your right. Jesus is walking down these aisles. Jesus is reaching out to you. High above your shoulder. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I need to give my life to Christ. I need to devote my life to him again. Let your hands go high up. I see your hands. I see your hands. Oh, God bless you. God bless you wherever you are standing. Now take one more step. Come forward. Come to where I am. Come and make Jesus your Lord. Come and make Jesus the king of your life. You raise up your hand. Come forward. Forget about who is on your left, who is on your right. chapter in your life 
Today, every secret life falls apart and Jesus is going to be the Lord of your life. You want to say this prayer after me? Make it your own personal prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, this afternoon, I come to you just as I am. Jesus, take my life and make me a new person. Jesus, I'm sorry for all the sins I've committed. Please wash me with your blood. Please cleanse me from all my sin. Jesus, thank you for coming to die for me. And thank you for rising from the dead so that I may have eternal life from today take my life make it yours become my best friend I want to be a friend of God therefore today on the 8th of June 2013 a commitment and I give my life to you thank you for a new beginning in Jesus name father I pray for these little ones your word says anyone that causes any of these little ones to stumble it would be better if a millstone was cast around his neck and he was thrown under the sea holy father I pray that you will preserve them Keep them from the evil one, for only you can do that. Keep them from the subtleties of the enemy, from any trap and from any snare. May they serve you. And may every destiny that must come forth, may it come forth. May no destiny be aborted in the lives of these young ones, both those who are in front and those who are in the congregation. If you're in the congregation, just lift up your hands. Father, they are making a fresh commitment to you. They want to be called your friends. I pray that they will be close to you. Your word says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. I pray for a drawing nigh this afternoon. I pray that that same grace that kept me as a child will be their portion, Lord. For it's not by might nor thy power, but by your spirit. Anybody they must not meet, may they not meet that person. Anybody they must not know, may they not know that person. I use all parents even as contest points. Lord, there are children that may not be here. Touch them also. Our children that may be afar. May the hand of the Lord rest on them. May they live for Jehovah. May they run for Jehovah. May the kingdom of God go far because of them. May pastors, evangelists, teachers, apostles be raised up from amongst them, Lord. And thank you for the end time militia. I shall fight and overcome the devil. I break every stronghold of the enemy over their lives. Every form of perversion. Lord, in the name of Jesus and by the power of God, every stronghold falls. Everything that they have gotten into, that is not of you. May that power be broken over their lives. And Lord, like you sent to tell Pharaoh, let the people, let my people go. This afternoon, I declare to the kingdoms of darkness and to the 
kingdoms of the enemy. I said, let the people of God go. For Christ has set them free. And they are free indeed. Thank you for a new beginning. Thank you that you will keep them. You pray that your disciples must be kept. I pray that you will keep these ones from the evil one. Thank you that they excel in every good thing. They are the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. I lift up their futures before you. May their future be blessed. May they marry at the right time. May they meet the right people. Deliver them from familiar bondages, generational curses, from the mistakes of generations that came before them, Lord. Let the blood of Jesus that speaks better things than the blood of Abel, let that be their covering and their shield. Send angels on their behalf. Deliver them from the paths of unrighteousness. Keep them in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.